welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm very excited to introduce you to my guest today. She's an expert in clinical and organizational psychology, specializing in helping passionate and motivated people work through bureaucratic and inefficient process to achieve their goals. I'm thrilled to have Dr. Jennifer Wisdom with us today. Jennifer Wisdom is a licensed and board-certified psychologist who now is an author, consultant, and speaker. She's worked with complex healthcare, government, and educational environments for 25 years, including serving in the U.S. military, working with nonprofit service delivery programs, and as faculty in higher education. She now provides consulting, coaching, and training in healthcare and academic workplaces. Jen, Jennifer, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jennifer, first thing I want to do is thank you for your service as a veteran. You know, I always want to make sure I thank all the veterans that come on the show. So thank you for the service. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was an honor to serve. Great. And then I just want to jump right into it because there's so many interesting things that I that I want to ask you about. You know, how, how did you get from, you know, being the veteran, working, being in the military, doing clinical and organizational psychology? How did you get into the business world? Yeah, absolutely. So it almost feels like I was cheating to get into the business world. <laughs> I wasn't cheating, but the business world that I'm in is the business of healthcare mm-hmm. um, and academia, both of which are big business, as you right. know, in this country and around the world. And a lot of my time as um, as an academic was working in academic medical centers, um, working in the hospital systems, working with um, nonprofit mental health and substance use treatment programs, uh, teaching about health systems organization. So kind of moving from doing that work and researching it and teaching it as an academician to moving over into working with them as a consultant was a really easy switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that sounds like that it was just something that happened naturally then. Um, I don't know if I would say naturally. It okay. definitely gave it a bit of a push. You know, academia is... Um, it's its own world uh, for mm-hmm. people who haven't uh, haven't been in it. And those of you who are in it definitely know it's its own world. Um, I, I really enjoyed being an academic. I thought I would do that for the rest of my life, but I found that I was spending a lot more time trying to get things to work and less time actually working. Like I was, I, I wasn't able to spend as much time as I wanted doing the things that I wanted to do. I wanted. Mm-hmm teach people to be leaders. I want to help leaders. I want to make change in organizations. And there was a lot of other stuff that I needed to spend time doing in academia, um, creating papers and going to faculty Mm -hmm. meetings and dealing with politics and all this other stuff. And so ultimately I ended up making a pretty challenging, a really difficult decision to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave this venue and try to do the same kind of work as an independent consultant. And of course, being an entrepreneur has pros and cons, yeah. um, but it's worked It's worked out and I love the work that I'm doing. And I am able to spend more time doing what I love doing and less time doing the stuff I don't love as much. So that feels like a win. You know, this is this is really interesting because you're, you're striking a chord with me here. I remember one of the things that um, surprised me when I first went into graduate school is that even in academic settings, there was a lot of politics and there's a lot of bureaucracy. And I remember thinking, okay, this is going to be the place where it's pure academics. We're all just going to be learning and just achieving together. And, and I ran into a lot of 
politics and bureaucracy. So I, I'm wondering, how, how did you manage and navigate that? Because I found it very hard. Um, well, I found it very hard as well. Um, I When I finished my degree and became, uh, I got my first job as a faculty member, and I said to myself, quite naively, I'm not going to do academic politics. And within the... <laughs> What was I thinking? <laughs> I was all of like 29 years old or something. But, mm -hmm. I, you know, the first week, somebody tried to take my staff. They tried to take my equipment. They tried to take my space. <laughs> I was like, Holy cow. Like, at minimum, you have to do defensive politics. And mm -hmm. and I I've heard stories. I've heard legends of academic workplaces that are not very political or that are not as... Um, sharky you know people aren't where are these places i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i've heard they exist but some people have had those experiences and it was it was fascinating working with your colleague our, our colleague and psychologist mira bronco about mm -hmm. workplace politics because mm -hmm. both of us were really interested in it and it after we had a number of conversations around writing that book millennials guide to workplace politics mm -hmm. it became clear she's really focused on preventive strategies mm -hmm. for how to present yourself in the workplace and how to move things forward and i don't know if it's because i'm i've got more years on her or because the kinds of places that i was but i was really focused on intervention strategies around mm -hmm. when people take credit for your work or they're backstabbing you or they're, yeah. you know, whatever bad thing happens, now what? And so it ended up being a really nice partnership as we were writing that because we both had very different experiences and very different strategies for how to deal with workplace politics. That sounds like a really cool collaboration that the two of you were able to do, right? Yeah, in the book that you, Absolutely. That you came up with. Yeah. Now, Absolutely. one of the things that I think is really cool about the work that you do is you're, you're working in one of the areas that I think is know the worst for politics which is in academia but politics is everywhere i mean that's one of the things that i was actually running away from when i went to academia I was i was running away from politics in in the you know the the uh, business world and i thought okay this is academia is the place to go but apparently it, it's it really was not and so uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about how you see politics in business and 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 how you either avoid it or or use it or uh you know or, or able to um, use it to your advantage to be successful in business. Sure, sure. I, th I think the, the first thing to think about is politics has such a bad rap because mm -hmm. people always think of politics as cutthroat, dirty politics, bad stuff, backstabbing. But politics is really the word we use when humans are negotiating about how to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. You want one thing, I want something else. How are we going to work this out? That's politics. I love and the way you be. frame that. That's, that's really, <laughs> I, I've never heard it framed that way. And I love that approach. Yeah. yeah. And it may be that, I mean, I don't know, maybe you want, let's, let's use an actual, you know, government example. You want a new water plant in your city and I mm -hmm. want a new garbage dump in the city. And so how are we going to make this happen? Maybe you and I can negotiate to fund both our projects and then we both get wins. Or maybe, you know, you're going to go talk to the, I don't know, the, the water people and get them to release, you know, some smear about me or something. Who knows, right? There's mm -hmm. lot, so many different ways to negotiate this. Some, I tend to prefer being very direct. I'm very, what you see is what you get. I want to have the conversation. So if I know you want that money for the water plan, I want it for the garbage dump. How about you and I talk about it and let's figure out how can we come up with 
a plan that works for everybody. Now, mm -hmm. that is not very common <laughs> as far as how people tend to negotiate, especially when you get money and power and constituencies and all those other things involved. Or in academia, yeah. when you have a bunch of folks who, um, you know, have been in school for a lot of their lives and maybe, I don't want to stereotype, but I'm a nerd. Maybe a lot of our fellow <laughs> academicians are nerds and now they have power. And so how do you do this? And then I would also say, you know, we're trained to do one thing and then we often go into leadership or management, which is different. Yeah. We're trained to be good psychologists. Then, you know, for many of us, we got promoted because we're good psychologists or researchers or accountants or engineers mm -hmm. or programmers. That doesn't mean you know how to lead. Even mm -hmm. psychologists don't necessarily know how to be good leaders and managers. And so I love that transition point um, and trying to figure out what is it that people want yeah. and then how are they trying to get it? And how can, I don't know, how can we work together on this? How can we yeah. try to maximize the amount of good that we all get out of the situation or out of the funding or out of the project or whatever? Yeah, I, I, love, I love what you're talking about here, Jennifer, because what you're actually talking about is, is looking at politics, not in the negative light that most people, including myself, do, but really looking at it as a, as a leadership tool to help you get what you need and to be successful. And one of the things that I that I really loved when I heard you speak uh, the other day was was you used the word administrator. And I've I've never heard of that word. And, and I think you, you made it up, but you were, you were using it in reference to, you know, how do you get through your bureaucratic setting and, and including politics to be able to be successful? So can you can you share a little bit more about that? Because I think that's such a novel concept. Yeah, absolutely. So administructure is a word I made up, um, <laughs> trademark pending, <laughs> but it's the integration of administrative and infrastructure. And so mm -hmm. my formal definition of it is the strategic and explicit integration of people, structures, processes, and change mm -hmm. to ensure that an organization meets its goals effectively and efficiently, supports and develops its staff, and responds to the environment in ways consistent with its values. And there's so much packed into that, but mm -hmm. it really is. I mean, I kind of think of it as like an orc psych theory of everything because yeah. <laughs> it includes so many different things. But it's talking about how to strategically and intentionally use the resources at your disposal. And mm -hmm. what I find, not just at your disposal, but other resources you might be able to get. What I find is that everyone gets frustrated with administrators, administrative rules, processes, all that other kinds of things. But it's rare to find someone who really knows how to wield power and use those administrative resources and processes to their advantage. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to help people do. How can you clarify what your goals are, identify what are the infrastructure needs and resources you may have available? How do you maximize those to be able to meet your goals and develop your staff and make everything happen in the way mm -hmm. you'd like? like it to happen yeah I, I love this approach because it's holistic and I, I love holistic approaches you know you're, you're you're dealing with with the organization as a whole you're talking about the people you're talking about the resources change you're talking about all the things that happen right and how do they integrate right. and, and interact together uh, I'm wondering can you share some examples of how you've seen this work in terms of the administrative process and how an organization can benefit from looking at all of these things 
Yeah, absolutely. So one of the examples that I have is uh, a place that I worked that was around, it's a university working on research infrastructure, mm -hmm. uh, research operations and um, research, federal, federally funded research like National Institutes of Health, National Science Foundation and so on has a gazillion policies related to everything including them, uh, how you submit the proposals to get funded, once it gets funded, what you do with all the money, how you track this, who does that, you know, and kind of accounting principles as well. One person should be uh, initiating the the accounting activity. Another one should be approving it. You should have the mm -hmm. same person initiating and approving. So these are things that many people just take for granted. If you're an accountant, this is like old hat, you know this stuff. But we're working with, at this university, we're working with faculty members who are amazing at epidemiology or oncology or psychology or chemistry, and they're mm -hmm. not accountants and yeah. they're, they shouldn't have to be. So part of what I worked on and what my team worked on was how do we make this, all of these rules that the university is responsible for and that mm -hmm. the faculty are responsible for accessible to them? And so how do we try to figure out what I tried to do is figure out how do we get exactly the right information the faculty researchers needed at exactly the right time, not too much, not mm -hmm. too soon, but definitely not too late, and then help them understand what they needed to do and take responsibility for that all in the context of a university where they, they're there to be teachers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite a challenge and you know it, it definitely didn't do it perfectly but it really helped me understand how do you how do you use this infrastructure how do you use the administrature to get things done how do you communicate with people how do you make sure they have information that they need to be able to make the decisions they need to make mm -hmm. so as another example faculty would need to if they have a grant they need to oversee their budget Right. they need to oversee their budget well that means you need they need to have access to information about their budgets timely mm -hmm. access it's like trying to run your household finances and you never get a bank statement and you can't look online so how do you know what you have like it's just not you, you can't make good decisions if you don't have that information so how mm -hmm. do we harness the administrature and the infrastructure to get information where it needs to go without overwhelming them with too much information that they don't need mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of that that interaction with them between people and process, right? How do you how do yes. you get people and process to work well together, right? Is that, is that yep. am I hearing it right there? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah. I love and that because I think one of the things that that you know from my experience that I've come to realize is that you know when you, especially when you have an organization that's that's big and bigger and, and and there's so many things that as you've described here, process is key, right? But the people, if you don't have the the, the people using the process the process is useless, right? Because how many times have you seen a process that's written and documented, but the way things actually, people actually do things is completely different than what's written and documented. And so how do you get the people right. to actually follow a process? It's really important. Right. And I think of this, I, I use this metaphor a lot when I'm teaching about leadership is it's like starting the wave. Mm -hmm. If you want people to do stuff, you're standing up and raising your hands and your point, 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 point in the circle. And sometimes you can get really exhausted doing this over and over and over again. You're the only one doing the wave and you mm -hmm. feel silly and you keep pointing, pointing, pointing. And eventually, like you keep trying all these different strategies to get other people to to see the importance of this, to understand the process, to get the mm -hmm. training on the process, to make it 
like align incentives to make it easier for them to do the thing than it is to not do the thing yeah. and then help them get excited about it and all of those things like keep trying all of those different things and eventually somebody else is going to do the wave with you and then there's two of you and that is so exciting and then somebody else will do it and then somebody else will do it and then you're not going to be able to think of a time when people weren't doing the wave because everybody's doing it and then you can move on to the next thing yeah that sounds like, a, like it, a, it sounds like a slow but really a very intentional process as well right very, you're very intentional about bringing each person along uh to, to join you in the wave Absolutely. And that's one of the places where I love this intersection between psychology and, and organizational change, mm -hmm. because there's some psychoanalytic approaches that say whenever there's organizational change, there's grief about the loss, the loss of what used to be. Maybe yeah. it's the loss of being able to know how to do everything in this process. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the loss of I don't have to think that hard or feeling confident or people come to me for answers. And then now that things are going to be different. I don't know what's next. And and that's very real. Like that's a that is something that people experience and I think many times uh, certainly when I was getting started I would have it in my head this makes logical sense. Mm -hmm. Like you complain about the process so I'm here's a new process that will solve all those problems you were complaining about. Why are you not happy with this? Without mm -hmm. so I was focusing on the logic and rationality without focusing as much as I should, and as yeah. I do now, on the human side of it, about loss and change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that because it's, it's a great segue into the next thing I want to talk about, which is you know the psychology behind getting people to do things, right? The psychology yeah. behind the, the, the people and the process and the infrastructure and all of those things that you've talked about, it, it, it all depends on the people, right? So I, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what is it about your experience or your training as a psychologist that helps you to be able to see, uh, you know, the, the intricacies here that, that that others might be missing. That that really helps people in a business, in an organization, in academia, where it's really hard to get anyone to do anything to actually start <laughs> to engage. Yeah, yeah. So I I love psychology. I was mm -hmm. undergraduate social psychology um, major, and then went into clinical, and then did organizational stuff. But mm -hmm. there's so much that I rely on. Um, all the time, learning, communication, motivation, family systems, mm -hmm. power, problem solving, leadership, strategy, like there's so much that's mm -hmm. amazing. One of the things that I, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this, one of the strategies that I have used the most, and this is going to sound silly, but it's something that I started using when I was a student doing cognitive behavioral therapy with mm -hmm eight-year-old kids with attention deficit disorder. And that was an everybody happy plan. Oh my gosh. And what we would teach these kids is <laughs> if there's a problem, first identify the problem. What are some potential solutions? Yeah. Evaluate the solutions, pick a solution, and then do it and see how it went. I mean, simple problem solving. Also mm -hmm. similar to the scientific method. It's similar to basically any kind of problem solving strategy. Right. But that everybody happy plan, like how can we find a way to make everybody, if not happy, at least satisfied or okay with how mm -hmm. things are moving. I have used that over and over again as like the wave <laughs> metaphor yeah. as well. I've used it all the time because it's so basic. Um, everyone can understand it. And then sometimes people get a kick out of it when I talk about kids on the 
you know, kids on the playground using this method, like we can start there. That's a place where we can start. Mm -hmm. I think one of the places where I have found some disagreement with that is that a lot, some people, and I want to say a lot of people, some people don't care if everybody's happy. They just mm. want what they want. And so, okay, that's good information to well, have. Maybe. If you don't care what the other people are thinking about or what they want, okay, so let's try a different approach. I mean, the same problem solving approach still works. You yeah. just don't have to care. You cho you're choosing not to care about whether everybody's happy. You're making your ha yourself happy. Okay, so what are the consequences of that? What are the likely consequences? And let's build that, that in, in as business we as well, right? I mean, that's, that's totally. what you're describing it happens a lot in business. You know, of course. It's, sometimes it's, I, I can't think about you because I have, to, if we're competing for a promotion and, and I have, I'm out for myself. And so I, I'm really not that fussed about it if you don't get it because I want it. Right. And then that brings me back to, I guess if I gets me right back to psychology around, I wonder what kind of approach and perspective and personality and values this person has mm -hmm. where maybe they view everything as limited resources and there's mm -hmm. not enough for everybody. Yeah. In some situations, that's true. If there's one promotion and two people vying for it, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. Mm -hmm. But other people, they approach everything as win-lose mm -hmm. when they don't have to. Mm -hmm. There could be ways to lift other people. And I, I love the, the idea of lifting as you climb. Mm -hmm. I'm first generation college, only person in my family with a graduate degree, I joined the army to get money for college. And there's so many people who have been amazing mentors and supports to me, not who I thought would be mentors and supports, yeah. but kind of other kind of random angels in my life who helped me. And I want to pass that along. There's so many smart, talented people who are in families that haven't had college before or who don't really know what the next steps are. And there's so many things that no one ever tells you, which is why that's a big part of what I train about. That's a big part of what I write about, what I speak about. Here's the stuff that no one ever tells you about how to move ahead or how to get what you're looking for. I love, I love what you said there, lifting as you climb, you know, and, and, I, and I, I really appreciate that you're doing that in the academic setting, which I think is just, is really really hard so i you know i appreciate that you're doing that there but i know you also work in the healthcare industries can you can you tell mm -hmm. us about a little bit about some of the work that you do there as well yeah absolutely so kind of three main areas that i work in across um both academia and healthcare so one is research mm -hmm. so i was a researcher for 20 years um and i do mixed methods qualitative and quantitative research and a lot of social science stuff. So I've done a lot of training people on how to conduct research, training people how to write proposals. Mm -hmm. um, I've done some uh, research administration, uh, organizational change, so I can help organizations um, build up their research infrastructure to be able mm -hmm. to be competitive for uh, federal grants or for foundation grants or contracts. So that's kind of one part, that, that research part. Second part is leadership training people on how to be leaders, particularly mm -hmm. love working with kind of that first line um, new manager group, people mm. who are amazing and talented psychologists or physicians or accountants or engineers, and now they're leaders. So how why do I work group? with That's those? an interesting group, because that seems like a hard group. Why, why that group? I just really relate. There's so many... Um, People are coming into like their first leadership role. People are often excited about it and they mm -hmm. want to do it right. And there's a lot of enthusiasm. They're not quite jaded <laughs> about <laughs> politics. They're not, you know, they haven't been 
maybe um, haven't experienced some of the, the negative repercussions of leadership, but as they're going through and absorbing so much information about kind of their staff and maybe they were a colleague and now they got promoted to now they're people supervisor where they used to be yeah. their friends. Kind of how do they manage that? How do they manage, like, I like doing clinical work and now I'm a manager and I don't get to do it as much. And how do I work with people in a very different way? I'm just fascinated at that transition and that process of learning to use the skills you used in your your kind of content expertise, accounting mm -hmm. or clinical or whatever, and to use those as a manager. You know, you said something that, that really is, is, I think is key here that I don't think I've actually recognized before is there is a transition that is required, you know, to, from going from being, doing clinical work or administrative work or whatever it is that you're doing to being a manager and a leader, right? There's a transition mm -hmm. that's involved in that. And, yeah. and we need to pay attention to that and help people in that transition. It sounds like you're, you're doing a lot of that work, helping people transition. I love that transition. Like that, I, so as you know, I wrote the Millennials Guides book. So I wrote Millennials Guide to Management and Leadership and talk about how to ease into that role. Some people get kind of tossed into it when yeah. they get a promotion. Other people are looking for leadership opportunities and they don't um, know how to make that happen. Um, they don't really know what it is to be a leader, what it yeah. means. Um, what their role is. Some people think it's just getting more money to do the same work and that, that doesn't usually work well. But that kind of leads me to the kind of third area, do research leadership. And then the third one is process improvement and change management. So when people mm -hmm. want to change the organization, that's a third area I can focus on. And most of the time I'm doing either change management or research and I work the, lead, the leadership part into there. So if you're doing research, you also get leadership from me. <laughs> if you're doing change management, you also get leadership. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're transitioning into being a manager, you also yeah. get leadership. That just kind of comes with everything I do. I love that, right? It's, the, it's, it's no, Nothing is in isolation, right? So what you're doing is right. you're, you're just acknowledging the integration right, of, of these things and helping to weave them along. So I really think that's, yep. that's really awesome. Uh, Jennifer, we could we could talk forever, but I, I want to be yeah. respectful of time. So uh, yeah. how, how do people get a hold of you? Because I know you're doing such great work and you've got your own consulting company. How do, how do they on your website or email you or follow you or how do people get a hold of you? Sure, sure. So um, my website is leadwithwisdom.com mm -hmm. and my email is jennifer at leadwithwisdom.com. I am not on too much social media, uh, so email is usually the best way to get in touch with me and you could read about what I do um, and see see some examples of my work on the, the website. And then, um, as I mentioned, I do a lot of writing as well, so millennialsguides.com. Mm -hmm has um, a lot of information about uh, the different millennials guides to management leadership, to work, to um, workplace politics and others. Um, and then I also have a book that talks a lot about transitions called Leaving Revolution, how mm -hmm. we're learning to let go and move on. Um, and that talks about how do you d know when it's time to go and how do you think through that whole process? Awesome, I, I, that's th those are great books and I'll definitely make sure that I, I get those. Uh, Jennifer, I want to take advantage of the fact that you're here and, and ask for some free advice for for, yep. for anybody who's listening, you know, who's, who's a business leader or a manager or anybody who's transitioning. What advice or tips would you give to people out there in the business world today? I think my number one piece of advice is to be very clear on what you want. Mm -hmm. If you're not clear about your goals, how can you expect your staff to be clear about your goals mm. and, and, and do the things that they need to do? If um, 
and if you're not clear about your goals, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a goals nerd. I clarify my goals in different areas around um, uh, finances and around health and around work and around mm-hmm. other ways that I spend my time. But being intentional mm. in where you want to go and then making sure that you're always checking, am I spending my time in a way that's going to get me where I want to go? And that's how I want to spend it. It's mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of falling into doing things that are easy or a habit or something like that. Um, so clarifying goals and communicating those is really my number one tip that seems really easy, but it's a lot harder to, to do. Yeah, I love I love that tip because what you've, what you've struck on there for me is is that you have to be intentional about these things. You use that word intentional and you you have to you have to pay attention to it and focus on it and give it that extra attention, right? It's not just going to happen. Your goals just aren't going to clarify right. themselves. You, you actually have to make sure that you are clarifying them, that you understand it fully before you can even explain it to somebody else, right? Right. I love that tip. That's awesome. Thank Jennifer, you. thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fantastic. We There's so much that we didn't cover. You know, I, I definitely want to have you back on to walk us through administructure in more detail and really help us to, to figure out how we can use it. So definitely hope that we can get you back on the show at some point. Absolutely. I'd love to. This is a lot of fun. Great. Well, thanks for being on the show. And for everybody else, uh, hopefully we will catch you next time. Thanks all. Bye. <laughs>